Well, good morning again. Welcome to H2O Church. Pastor Matt, and so excited to be here with you on this beautiful uh, Palm Sunday. And uh, we're going to just jump right in. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 21. We're going to be talking about uh, this passage out of Matthew about Palm Sunday and about Jesus' triumphal entry. And just to give you a little bit of background on what's going on in this passage uh, to kind of catch you up. Uh, Jesus has been doing all these amazing healings throughout the land of Palestine. And Jesus has been saying these amazing things and people are following him because he's such a great speaker and he loves people and he's doing all these amazing healings. And the crowd has been gathering around him everywhere he's been going. But now he's getting ready to come to Jerusalem where that's the main spiritual hub of this place. And uh, there's just been a lot of excitement about him coming to Jerusalem and a lot of uh, people hearing about what he's been doing. And so that's kind of walking into Matthew uh, chapter 21. Now, the cool thing about this passage that we're going to read is that this passage is in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And although they say almost the same exact thing, there's some different little highlights we get by looking at those four different gospel accounts and some different perspectives and some different insights. So it's an exciting little passage to talk about. And so why don't we pray and uh, we'll jump in and ask God to speak to us through his word. God, thank you again for this opportunity to be here to um, come alongside your word and ask you to speak through your spirit to us personally. Lord, we're so needy of your truth and we're so needy of your words. And during this awesome season of just celebrating Palm Sunday and celebrating Easter, Lord, let our hearts be in a place of worship and let our hearts be in a place to really understand uh, who you are and why you came. Lord, we're grateful to be in this place and we just ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so these verses will come up here uh, if you want. The Bibles are also there in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, just a little side note, and you want to take one of those home to keep, those are gifts for you. We say that a lot, but a good reminder, um, if you'd like to just take those, you can. Um, you can also be getting the notes on the, the H2O app. So we're in Matthew 21, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11 right now. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with the colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that were ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So just to summarize what's going on here and pull out a few uh, notes, 
Jesus was on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And right before this, as I just mentioned, he'd been doing all these amazing things. And the crowds had been gathering and been hearing about what he was doing. And before he came to Jerusalem, he gathered up his disciples and he told them something so sobering that it was really hard for them to accept. So sobering and so difficult that they really didn't comprehend what he was saying. And he was saying, guys, when we go to Jerusalem... I'm going there to die. And even one of his closest disciples, Peter's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? This is, we're, we're at the high point of ministry right now. This is awesome. Like people are gathered around and, and this is just going to be a party. It's like the Beatles coming to the USA, you know? People are going to be excited and they're going to be gathering around and we've got some, some fame and notoriety. This is going to be great. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going there to die. And they didn't understand it. And so he says to them, hey, before we go into Jerusalem, I want you to go in there and I want you to find this donkey and I'm going to ride on this donkey to come into this place. And, and just as, as it says, as the people gathered, they were just shouting, they were yelling, Hosanna in the highest. The crowds were all gathered. And this crowd that gathered was quite diverse. There were some of his disciples there that maybe did understand who he was and why he came to earth and what he was trying to accomplish. There were some that were just kind of like bystanders and maybe they'd heard of what was going on. Others in the crowd were saying, who is this guy? Why, why is this crowd gathering? And some people were like, well, this is Jesus. This is the prophet. Even others were talking about some of the amazing healings that he did with Lazarus, which I'll mention here in a moment. But let's just focus in for a moment on this donkey. Okay, the king, the king is coming in on a donkey. And what does this mean? In Matthew 21, 2, just to read that again, it says, he says to go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by, untie this and bring it to me. So Jesus was very intentional about this. He's very intentional about how he wanted to enter into this special day. This special day, Palm Sunday, the entrance of Jesus, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we've celebrated for 2,000 years, he had a specific plan of how he wanted to enter, and it was on a donkey. In John 12, I mentioned that this is in other Gospels, it says, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. This was something that the Jewish people would have known because this is an Old Testament quote. This is an Old Testament quote from Zechariah 9.9. And as maybe some of you have heard of these Old Testament prophecies that are about Jesus, if you're not familiar with that, a lot of these things that were spoken of in the Old Testament that they called prophecies were these signs or these predictions of what the Messiah would be like. So that when Messiah came, when, when God came down, the, the special anointed one, the Messiah, people would know that it was him. Because lots of people came and said they were from God and had false claims. But these prophecies in the Old Testament would tell us that it was the true Messiah. And this passage is from Zechariah 9.9. And this donkey is a symbol of humility. Okay, the Roman soldiers drove around during this time in their horses and their chariots and all their armor and their weapons, and they were powerful leaders, and they had certain signs of horses and chariots and things to, to demonstrate power and violence. And this donkey 
Not only is it a sign of humility, but a sign of peace. If you look at a picture of a donkey that will come up here behind, it's just a, a humble little creature, isn't it? Kind of almost cute. You know, you don't think of it um, as anything but just a, a cute little animal that's like a beast of burden, pretty much. Um, and what Jesus was writing on this was communicating to us and communicating to the people of that time is that he was coming in in peace as a humble servant. Jesus was so humble all through his ministry, the times of washing the disciples' feet, the times where he just laid down his life for people and served them and served the outcasts and served the people and loved the people that nobody really cared about. Jesus was constantly just demonstrating a super humble heart. Even one time when the disciples were arguing and saying, God, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said, your servant the servant of you, the most humble person around you is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he rides in on this donkey. And you know, whenever I, I think of this animal, of this, the donkey that carries this burden, you know, I also thought of, if you've ever Googled anything about the, the donkey, I thought of this other donkey that comes up a lot carrying this, this burden right here. Have you seen this picture before? It's pretty popular, and I just always think it's hilarious that this poor little donkey is so humbled in this situation. I think the donkey's thinking there like, hey, um, when are you going to unload that thing? You know, take your picture really quick so I can come back down to uh, earth. And so back to the story of this humble donkey, they put these cloaks on this donkey so that Jesus could ride in and demonstrate this picture of humility. And that's the example that Jesus has set for us, this humble servant. When you and I are treated as humble servants, how do you feel about that? Have you ever been in a situation where you just needed to be really humble? And maybe some of the things that you felt entitled to in life, or maybe somebody said something or did something that required you to be humble, how did that make you feel? Sometimes we really struggle with that. Sometimes we really struggle with feeling entitled to things. And the pride comes up in our lives. And one of the reasons that I just love Jesus and I love his example, and he is such a hero to me, is because here is the God of heaven coming down. We believe that, that Jesus is God incarnate with all his power and all his wisdom and he was completely humbled. I think of the times when the, the Roman soldiers just mocked him or spit on him or slapped him. And he just went on with this humble cause to lay down his life for mankind. Do we have that same heart? Do you sit there and think, man, I'm entitled to certain things. And I don't want to surrender my life to God. I don't want to do the things that God's asking me to do because I'm just feeling better than that. And to really become a follower of Christ and, and see this example of him riding in on this donkey is, is a, a life of sacrifice and a life of being humble before him. You know, when I think of a, a time of just like, I don't want to be in this situation and feeling entitled I remember a time when one of my sons was very young. I think he was about three years old. And one morning I woke up and I go in and my wife is still sleeping 
And I go into his room to just, you know, wake him up and bring him down for breakfast. And this horrible odor just hits me like a cloud, okay? And I go over to my son's bed, and his diaper has overflowed in all the different ways that it could overflow. And he'd probably spent like an hour just playing with this. And it was all over him and all over the walls and all over the bed. And it was a disgusting, disgusting sight. It's a disgusting story that I'm sharing with you <laughs> right now. And I share that to kind of give you this feeling of how disgusting it was because I, at that time, I'm a little bit better now. I was a little OCD, okay? And so even getting my hands dirty or any of those kind of things was really hard for me, okay? So I see this sight. And in my pride and in my entitlement, I think, man, I'll just sneak back to bed and I'll wait till Mary Lynn wakes up, you know? She'll probably love this situation to, to care for my son. But I thought, no, man, that's, that's, that's a sense of entitlement. I need, to, I need to jump in here and get this. So I, I try to lure him out of his bed without touching him. And as and <laughs> soon as he gets out of bed, he's just like, up. You know, you say that up. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. And I'm trying to help him down the steps, and there's really nothing for me to hold on to except the crown of his head. That was the only thing that looked pretty clean to me. I'm just guiding this little boy, palming his head down the steps. And eventually, we got it all cleaned up, and Mary Lynn enjoyed the story when she woke up. You know, when we think of uh, cleaning up a mess, and diving into something overwhelming. Man, who is a greater hero than Jesus? Jesus saw the mess of mankind and the disgustingness of their sin. And the only remedy to clean up mankind's mess was for him to die in our place. And Jesus saw that. And he said, I'm going to dive into that. I'm going to humbly go in there as a servant and clean up this mess with my own life. The only remedy for our sin was the blood of Jesus, our perfect sacrifice. And I loved when he just, I imagined him saying it with passion. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus willingly dove into that mess. He willingly took on a humble role to go in and be the janitor for mankind because he loves you so much, because he cares for you so much. And every time I hear that story of what Jesus has done and his incredible humility, that does something in my heart. It makes me want to be more humble. It wants me want to lay down the rights in my life that I'm so tempted to hold on to and serve him and serve my wife and serve my kids and serve people. And we need to experience Jesus in that way that we want to be servants to him and to the people around us. As we continue on in this story, we go to Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asking, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This whole city was gathering. Imagine hundreds and hundreds of people coming out from their houses and the villages around, coming to the city of Jerusalem. 
the, the, where the temple was, where all this history had happened, all this spiritual history in this hub of this whole area is coming out to see Jesus. And I told you that the crowd was kind of diverse. Listen to some of these other people that were gathered around. In John 12, it gives us this perspective in verse 17 and 18. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. You know, Jesus really did raise Lazarus from the dead. And the people that saw Lazarus dead, and Lazarus himself was just continuing to tell people, like, did you hear what happened? I died, and I'm alive again. And they're like, no way. And the other people are like, yeah, he was dead, and he's alive. And the word is spreading like crazy. And so, you know, the, peop- the disciples are there, and these other people that think he's a prophet, and other people that have seen these other signs, and these other people are like, this is the guy that Lazarus... Uh, this is the guy that raised Lazarus from the dead. I want to go see this. And so it's a diverse crowd, some very believing, and some just kind of wanting to see the show. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, these palm branches that, that they talk about here, there's a picture of some palm branches. It says they cut off the branches to come and lay these down on this road to uh, kind of pave the way for this donkey. And these palm trees, these palm branches at this time meant victory. Okay, that was a symbol of victory. And they would wave these and cheer and they would lay them down to honor this king because most of them thought Jesus was coming as this reigning king that was going to bring this powerful victory to the Jewish people and to redeem the Jewish people probably in more worldly ways than in spiritual ways. And so they're just kind of out there, part of this show, and excited, and they're cheering in Matthew 21, verse 9, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, which means save us. So they're cheering, save us. You know, here comes our king. Victory, victory. And you know, at this point in another passage of Scripture, in another gospel, It says that as Jesus came in and he heard their cheers, he cried. He started to cry, which is so fascinating. Why in the world on such a happy day? Maybe the easiest, best day of ministry. Because Jesus had a lot of highs and lows in his ministry on this earth. But this may have been like one of the best days of his ministry. Why would he be crying? And the reason that he was crying was because he knew many of the people in this crowd didn't really believe in him, and they would be the same people a short time later yelling, crucify him. A lot of these people in this Jewish crowd were later yelling, crucify him, and they turned on him in a moment. And so these people in this crowd, some were cheering Hosanna, others later would be cheering crucify him what a crazy extreme and you know when I think of that and I kind of ponder my own life I think gosh isn't that kind of how we are a lot of times I mean a lot of us can be on a spiritual high where we're just saying God you know you're our king 
This is awesome. I love being a Christian. I want to do everything you say. Save me. Help me in my life. I want to walk with you. I want to pray. I want to read my Bible. I'm going to give my life to you. And that's fantastic. But for many of you, when hard times come in, when disappointment comes in, or temptation comes in, we can change on him in a moment. And we can become very selfish. And we can become very disconnected from what God wants. And even on a Sunday like this, where we could be like in a really great spiritual place. And then who knows, Friday night, we could be in a 180 different degree place. And this crowd was in no different place than we can be. And Jesus cried. He said, I just want to be their king. I want them to really follow me as a king. You know, there's a really good book that talks about this called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. And he's talking about this difference of just being a fan and a spectator of Jesus and then really being a follower. You know, not just having a spiritual high once in a while and then going back to our old selfish life, but like really following Jesus in every part of our lives. And he says this, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Man, that's convicting to me. You know, as he wants to be your king, if you imagine Jesus riding in on that donkey and people have all these different views of him and you look at him and you think, man, that's my hero. I want to follow him. It will cost you something. But anything that it costs you in this life, I'll tell you, it is so worth it. It's a small price to pay to surrender the sin in our life, to surrender our own rights, to, to just be a humble, obedient follower of Him. It's so worth the cost to be with Him. In Luke 19, 38-40, toward the end of the story, it says, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You see, some of these people were shouting, man, blessed be the king. This is the king of heaven. And they were worshiping him. And the Pharisees were like a lot of things in this world trying to talk us out of that. There's a lot of things in this world opposing you from being a follower of Jesus. There's a lot of things that, that come in our way all the time that are discouraging us from really opening our hands and worshiping God and loving Him and following Him. And these Pharisees rebuke Jesus. Tell Him to stop. This is wrong. They shouldn't be worshiping you right now. Tell them to be quiet, Jesus. And He said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the king's day. This is the day the king is coming to Jerusalem. And Jesus was saying without a doubt through this whole process, I am the king and the kingdom of God is here. 
And he's not looking for this earthly temporal rule that a lot of them were looking at. He was wanting to be the king of people's hearts. And he said, if they don't cry out with their hearts to worship me, this creation will, because I'm worthy of it. I'm a God, a holy God that's worthy of all the worship in this creation. And if no human cries out to me in worship, this creation will give me the worship that is due me. This is such a bold, awesome statement. So as you look into your own hearts this morning, during this really special time of the year, of the, of the calendar, to kind of ponder our hearts on Palm Sunday and in Easter, are you looking to Jesus as your king? Is there anything in your life right now that you need to surrender to him? Is there anything in your, your life that you need to, to set aside to make him the king of your heart? You know, ask yourself that question right now. You know, we were at a, a marriage conference this weekend, a lot of us, and it was really fun and a lot of great things shared. And, uh, and one of the things that the pastor shared that was so, so good was something similar to this. As he said, you know, if you want to have good relationships, you want to have a good marriage, it isn't just about this relationship horizontally with people or your spouse or anybody that you work with or anything. It's really about your vertical relationship with God. And he said, if you make God the Lord of your life, it is going to help your horizontal relationships so much. And I thought that was so good. And he, he kind of gave this analogy of, the, of a car. And, uh, you know, just imagine you have a car that you really love, okay? This is a really cool car. It's the car you've always wanted. And you're always out there polishing this car. And, uh, and you don't like when people eat in your car because they're dropping crumbs on the carpet. And, uh, and you become an Uber driver, all right? And you have an assignment, and you're pulling up to pick up your Uber person, okay? And you get up close, and you see him, and, and you get up right next to him, and you look out the window, and it's Jesus. And you say, oh, awesome, wow, hop in the back. And Jesus says, no, you get in the back. I'm driving. <laughs> That's right. How are you going to do with that? You know, are we willing to give up something important to us and, 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 and precious to us, our whole life and our heart, to let him drive in our life, to be the boss, to be our Lord? And that's really what this is all about and what the gospel is all about, is that Jesus came to die for you, and he loves you so much. As we surrender our hearts to him, and we receive that, and we say, I don't want to just be a fan. I'm not just going to do this part-time in my life. I want to give you everything and follow you. At that moment, you're a Christian, and Jesus comes in, and he forgives us of our sins and begins this amazing relationship with us that just changes everything and it's amazing so let's pray and ask uh, god to do a work in our heart this morning